here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Open the voice gate, our very first episode in about two months, I think. Um, I have Mike and Milo here. First, we have to start with a, a little bit of sad housekeeping. Um, you may have noticed that Case Low has not been on any episodes for the past, I think, like three or four episodes. Um, he's just very busy, and he has decided to af- officially resign from the show. So I want to start the episode by shouting out Case. Uh, he was here from the start, and we're going to miss him. I uh, hope you have a a good college career and everything else you have coming up, Case. But make us proud, Ganpate. <laughs> make us proud, Case. We're thinking of you, buddy. Um, we hope we hope you're able to come on, you know, at some point. Um, another housekeeping note: a more of a cheap plug than a housekeeping note. So I am launching a second podcast which you should be able to hear the first episode of later this week called Wrestling Omakase, 
which is going to focus around interviews and bringing on people who are passionate about different forms of wrestling and, um, you know, talk about different wrestling promotions. Basically, (laughs) as we're going to talk about on this show, um, my current Dragon Gate love is very low right now. Like, uh, the promotions still always have a place in my heart, but, you know, 2017 has not been a great year for DG, at least to me. Um, and I really want the chance to talk about some other promotions that I'm really enjoying a lot more. So the open voice gate's not going anywhere, everybody. We're still going to do this show. Um, I still love talking to Milo and Mike, and if anything, they're keeping me watching this stuff. So, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't know if I still would even watch as much as I've been watching without them, but, um, I do want to talk about other stuff too. So I hope you will check out my new show, when it launches later this week. Again, it's called Wrestling Omakase. It'll also be on the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Our very first episode, I'm going to have on um, Connor, who's at, at is all right now on Twitter. If you want to check, if you don't know who that is, he did a really cool article about New Japan and how different it is from Strong Style of the past. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the G1 because all the blocks will be out in a couple days. It'll be like a big G1 preview episode. So that'll be really cool. Um, but yeah, and then obviously I have to have you guys on, although I don't know. Well, Milo, you watch a million promotions. I could have you on to talk about anything, really. I don't know what we We're can have. We're going to do it, John. <laughs> We're going to do the Dolph Pro podcast of our dreams. <laughs> I don't know what I can have Mike on. Mike, you really just watch DG. I watch so. other promotions. It's just like, sadly, like my free time, like over the last 18 months has gone from pretty much watch everything and be one of those crazy people with a spreadsheet that tracks everything to really only uh, tracking DG regularly. And then I have other promotions I watch like, uh, PWG occasionally. Uh, I've gotten into, uh, progress just because I, it's easy for me to watch. And then like, I'm going to new Japan G1 special this weekend. So that's true. Have you I, been watching New Japan or no? I have been. I finally caught okay. myself back up. Like, well, that's be, good at least. Yeah, to be fair, like, I am like the epitome of lapsed wrestling person because I'm someone that, like, like last year when we did the giant, like, matches of the year, which was a whole lot of fun, that project before Voices of Wrestling. Like, I basically make, like, in my Joe Lanza approved notebook, a list of stuff to watch and then. Pretty much from November through December, I just go nuts doing that. So I'm trying to get better about it. And it's just like, I have very little free time. So I prioritize and like DG has always been my top priority ever since I stopped watching Chikara, to be honest. So, so like it, it well, there's actually, you know what? We can have all three of us on and talk Chikara history. Oh, I used to, I used to, I used to. I think Milo was rewatching the shows that I used to go to all the time. Yeah, you were a fucking BDK mark. I can't believe this. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't I wasn't into Chikara for that long, but probably like from 2010 until like 2012, I was going to all the Northeast shows. So we could talk about that period, I guess. Yeah, and, and that's kind of crazy because I was in it pretty much from like 04 to 2009, and I'm very prominent in one of the more famous matches in Chikara history in the front row. The one time I made it to the ECW arena, so what match? Uh, the uh, the uh, King of Trios 2009 four way between Kota Ibushi, Jigsaw, Matt oh, Jackson, that, yes. 
and Generico where you could see me like jumping up and down in my Ultraman is black t-shirt. I've seen that match, but I, I think I saw it before I knew you. So I should rewatch it and see like if I can spot you. See, but you, sp- but you spotted me though, right? I did. You are the fucking the fucking person in the front row making the BDK sign. <laughs> John, to be fair, over a time period, and if you're gonna watch any Northeast wrestling, you, you, we will find a photo. You will find you somewhere in the crowd, <laughs> like the exception of like CZW. Like, did you ever go to CZW shows? I went to, C- I went to CW like twice in my whole life. See, but, like, no, you I mean, find you, you there. Can, you can. The main promotion is obviously like, yeah, you can find me at Chikara. Um, I'm in the front row of like every fucking Ring of Honor show in the Northeast during like the glory years from like 03 to like, I don't know, 08 or something. I don't, something like that. And, um, I was in a lot of, I was at a lot of Jersey all pro shows too. If people actually even know what that is. It, but yeah. It, it, were you tied with fat Frank? Was that it? No, I just went to all the shows. They, yeah. they, the, the, the venue was like five minutes from where I used to live in New Jersey. So Yeah. But um, the the Rawway venue, the one I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, that uh, Rawway venue was awesome. Yeah, it was like five minutes from where my dad lived. My dad still lives, so where I lived at the time. But yeah, you can see it's true. I'm very, I'm very visible in Northeast in the history of Northeast wrestling. But probably um, you and Lanza, you could probably make a timeline pretty much up yeah. until recent times of finding them at shows. If you know how either you or Lanza look like. The only I, I really stopped after Chikara though I never got into anything else like that's when I went hard into Japanese wrestling like I, I was always into Japanese wrestling but after I stopped going to Chikara is when like I just kind of started the hashtag Japan only um, phase of my life so I, John I think in our previous life we were like the two people that were actually were like the huge Japanese wrestling fans when we did E Feds together funny enough yeah that's true we were both very. It was like you, me, and like like Tomer, right? Yeah, like the, Tomer. Yeah, yeah. The great they played Great Dragon or something. Yeah. yeah, no one. That's a conversation no one on Earth will know what we're talking about. So we should probably Just, not get, not veer down that rabbit hole. I, um, so guys, I actually have an important thing to ask you all before we get into Dragon Gate, since we're oh gee oh geez. before we get oh, wait, like, hold on. I didn't. I didn't get to finish my plug. Oh, sorry. So, wrestling, <laughs> I say, the point of the show is, um, like I said, omakase means, um, you know, leave it up to you. So the idea is we're going to have a different guest on every episode. It'll be me and somebody else talking about wrestling. You can already follow us on Twitter. It is at WrestleOmakase. That's O-M-A-K-A-S-E. So please follow us on Twitter. Please look out for our first episode later this week. And... We're gonna. It's gonna be a new journey. So I hope everybody who who listens to Open the Voice Gate will join us. I'm gonna cover everything on this show, by the way, not just Japan. Like I'm even gonna have on somebody who like likes and watches current WWE. To oh try, God! To try to defend this to me. Oh my! So it's gonna be probably the most confrontational episode we have because there's nothing on earth I hate as much as current WWE. But I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna have somebody on who loves it, and we're gonna argue about it. So. Look forward to that. May the gods um, be with you with that one. <laughs> All right, Mike, come on. Let's talk about G- talk about your uh, G one. So, uh, 
this upcoming weekend is my birthday, and I, because of my schedule and where I live, I don't get to see wrestling live that often. Like, Milo, I know you try to, you got, like, Summer Sizzler, and then, like, you have, like, the Expo in France coming up, and John. Yeah. John, you're, like, in a crazy hotbed, like, perpetually of wrestling if you so chose. But I just uh, got to run water, though, so. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to G1 Special. Uh, over my birthday weekend on the first and second, I actually am going to be writing up like a live experience for VOW next week, which will probably be really weird, like my uh, Joey Janela Spring Break piece, because that's what I write. But uh, so I actually had a question for John and Milo because the two of you, I would probably consider, and I've talked to you both about this before, probably one of the most, two of the most like in tune people about something that's also going on in Long Beach that weekend. So, uh. For those who don't know, G1 Special is happening at Anime Expo, which is, I believe, the largest anime convention in the world. Well, it's not It's not happening at Anime Expo. It's happening the same weekend. The same. I, I think it's probably yeah. the same convention center, too. No, no, it's not. Long Beach Convention Center is um, it's about 20 minutes away because the, the, during the daytime, the, the Long Beach Convention Center is going to hold um, the, the Bushiroad card, card tournament. So oh. that's basically what they're doing. Like, basically, Bushiro puts out these card games. Um, I think the two games they're going to do is Buddy Fight and Vanguard. So during so basically the way they book this is during the daytime, it's going to be like a card game tournament. And then during, at nighttime, it's going to be the New Japan shows in the same building. So uh-huh. it's, not, it's not the same building as Anime Expo. Anime Expo is – I'm going to tell you this right now because it's definitely – it's in L.A. proper. Um, I mean, I'm going to tell you the name of the building because – it's the Los Angeles Convention Center. Okay, yeah, I, I, two completely different places then, because yeah. that's where E three was. But the my, Los Angeles Convention Center is very down, very close to downtown LA. So, so, so actually, that's going to be about where I am, where I will be over the weekend. And my big question is, I have, I am very like cursory into anime. Like Milo, we've talked about how much I love the show Haiku and how. Yes. Gr- and how great it is, and how the two of us are kind of portrayed to the characters and a lot of our love of the young guys. But uh, what should I expect if I... Because I'll be around this. What should I expect with an anime expo? Like, as someone so who's I don't, never so been involved with it? Like, I'm kind of scared, to be honest. So it's its, its own thing. Like, I've, t- I've never been to anime expo. I've talked to people who've gone to it. It's very different from all the anime cons I go to. Just because, first of all, on scale, like, anime expo draws upwards of 90,000 fans, which is inc- insane, considering, like, the, the biggest con I've gone to is Otakon every year, which is the biggest one on the East Coast, and that draws, you know, at its most, like, 25,000, I believe. So, obviously, you're talking about something that's more than three times as big. Um, almost four times as big, in fact. The So, I guess, first of all, you should expect very large crowds for everything. Right. Like, I don't, are you actually going to go to the convention or no? I don't know. Like, I'm visiting my brother. I'm seeing my brother and his girlfriend, and we're. Do- I don't know what we're doing during the day. And I like going to see things that are completely like out of my comfort zone. So, like, I just need like know what I need to prepare myself for. Like, am I gonna be seeing like body pillows everywhere? Like, yeah, you're gonna see yes. you're gonna body pillows. Um, yes. people in costume, obviously. Yes. Right. Uh, the, the the basically, if you want to go to MA Expo and you don't, you know, for, you need to do one of two things. Either you need to buy a premium badge, which costs like four hundred dollars, and you can't oh. even do it anymore. 
But but and you can't even do it anymore because it sold out a long time ago. But that lets you skip the line for everything. So I I've been told by people that's the only real way to go to Anime Expo. Otherwise, you need to look at that schedule and find one thing you really want to go to and get ready to stand in line for two hours for it. This is what I've been told. Like it's really impossible to get into anything at Anime Expo unless you are you know really well prepared. So it's just it's just gigantic so, so, so this so. is probably not happening if i want to go see it because I, I understand like it's crazy with like the uh with like the merchant side like the like the yeah. seller's room like like the i would need the 400 dollars to do even that right no no no, no. the so, merchant room the merchant room you can get into okay i'm talking like i'm talking like panels and gas and like mm-hmm. all, all that stuff I mean, you would have to you see i just want to take in the vibe that's my well that, yeah the, the vibe you, you can just buy a day pass for that yeah. okay yeah, sure. um for like <clears throat> For me, I don't, I don't know if I can really like give any advice because Japan Expo is like the biggest one in Europe, but I think it's still uh, kind of small compared to Anime Expo. Gotcha. How many people does uh, it get? Do you know? Honestly, I don't really know. I'm gonna check on Wikipedia if I can find. Uh, oh wait, what? Whoa, it's actually bigger. Is it? Yeah, two hundred forty-seven thousand four hundred seventy-three in twenty fifteen. In France. That's what it says. Oh yeah, the, they say the 2016 edition had two two hundred fifty thousand people. Yeah, it's bigger than it's bigger than ours. Yeah, no idea. I just assume everything's bigger in America. <clears throat> um, but I know that they they used to have like really big organization problems, and that you had to queue for hours if you wanted to get like into a movie premiere. When they used to do that, I mean, they still kind of do that, but not as much. Um. But I know that in the recent years, they've gotten a lot, a lot better at it. And I know that I've been able to attend like uh, anime premiere, um, premieres. In 2015, I went to the premiere for uh, Terror in Resonance. And I barely had to wait in line at all to get in. So I don't know if the organization is like that at AX, but... Now, everything I've been told from AX is if you want to go to any kind of premieres or panels or anything, it's like queuing in line for hours, basically. But no, if you just want to get the vibe and like look at the dealer's room, that you can just buy a one-day pass. And yeah. Go. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's okay. a, and if you, like, if you can, you should try and go to a cosplay show. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because I know that. Um, I know of someone who's actually cosplaying as Sonata at anime. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I forget what his Twitter handle is. He's part of the uh, Strong Style Story podcast. One of yeah. them, one of them's going. I think a bunch of them are actually going. One of them's actually going to cosplay as Sonata, and I saw like a photo of him on Twitter where he already had like the mohawk, like the the Morrissey mohawk already going. I was like, okay, so there might be a little bit of wrestling overlap. I don't think I'll be well, able to find a Hio Watanabe <laughs> bottle body pillow. Sadly, though. <laughs> the, the, the thing is with Anime Expo that the, the reason why I, I don't think it's like capturing the real con experience is because it's it, it's an industry event versus the other conventions that are all fan events so like you know when I go to I go to about two or three cons well usually I go to at least three this year I'm only doing two but you know I, I host a lot of fan panels at these conventions and that and fan panels they don't really exist at Anime Expo so that's good and that had it's good and bad but like um, you know, you're not going to get crappy panels on like, oh, I'm trying to think what the panels were. They were. There's a lot of really terrible fan panels at these conventions, but you're also not going to get a fan panel run by me about Japanese pro wrestling or Japanese music or like other stuff that's like very um, peripheral. So I think- if you're if you like having like more 
um, outside anime cultural stuff. I don't think Anime Expo is that good for that. Gotcha. It's okay. weird because every time I see like bless you, sorry, <laughs> people who go to like uh, anime conventions and have fan panels, I'm always so jealous because I and I I'm trying to think of like. All the conventions that I've been to in France, whether it's Japan Expo, which is like the big industry one, or like even the smaller ones that are independently run, I can't think of any convention that has fan ran like panels. But you are you sure they you're not just missing? They just don't do it. So how, what what do they do for their panels, like the smaller ones? What? The, the, it's, it's just not a thing. Oh, I see. Yeah, here, like, basically, they, they open up applications, I would say, like, six or eight months before the convention. And then, you know, anybody can apply, and then they pick which ones they think sound the best. But um, it also helps you build up a reputation with them as, like, you know, I've never missed a panel. I think I get, but they, like, Anime Boston, for instance, which is one of the bigger conventions, like, has somebody in there, like, reviewing your panel and, like, how well it drew and stuff. And I think I usually get a pretty good review. So that's probably helped me. But, yeah, I've, I've done panels, like, six straight years at cons now. And it's a very, it's a very fun experience. Obviously, it's very nerdy. But just be getting up there and getting to talk to other people and, like, talk about what you love is really cool. Honestly, so. I would love to be able to do that, but there's just not the possibility to do it. Yeah, I mean, that does suck. Yeah. But you should, you should come to America and host a, a pro wrestling panel with me, Milo. It would be awesome. I'll just do run-ins on it. That's my job. <laughs> the, the, the crowd, like, nothing will ever top Anime Boston this year hosting my Japanese pro wrestling indie panel and, like, showing them the um, – the Iron Man Heavy Metal Weight Battle Royal from last year's Peter Pan, and the intro where the the Yakitori pins Toruwashi for the Iron Man title, and just an entire room of people just standing up and giving a standing ovation for a piece of chicken. <laughs> like that is These probably the highlight. The spirit, man. <laughs> it's the highlight of my life probably was is seeing that standing ovation. But yeah, uh, anime cons are good. Everybody, don't let don't let the haters steer you wrong. They're fun. They're a bunch of it's a bunch of it's a bunch of dorks finally getting a place where they can fit in. There's mm-hmm. nothing bad about that. So. Yeah, and, and sometimes there's wrestling. Sometimes there's wrestling, like, and like this year, <clears throat> I mean, Japan Expo does wrestling. This year, where we have Kotaro Suzuki, Andy Wu, Yoko Bito, and Konami that are coming amazing. to amazing. wrestle. Yeah, and I'm I like. I'm probably going to interview them for Voice of Wrestling. Oh, that's so awesome. So stay tuned for that. I mean, like, the, the other thing I want to make sure I know is that, like, it's a very, like, liberal, like, um, especially LGBTQ-friendly environment, too. Cons in the U.S. Mm-mm. Where, like, the, the, the fucking, like, anime Nazis or whatever, like, they don't, they don't have any presence at these conventions, thankfully. If they're mm-hmm. there, they're, they, they stay in hiding. So, <laughs> very, it's a very open environment so yeah i have to imagine a, that it's a lot less toxic than like my experiences when i used to do esports so yeah oh i mean oh yeah okay are we gonna talk about dragon gate or we probably is this open the convention you hate now i mean this is probably the like the most positive we're gonna be on this entire podcast <laughs> things are good y'all yeah <laughs> it's been a rough couple of months um shall we get started yeah, I mean, we really should just start with with T Hawk winning, right? I mean, that's <sighs> T Hawk. 
so let's just talk about the, the semifinals and finals. Um, obviously, we haven't seen it yet. Um, Drops tomorrow. Already, have, it, oh, it does? Yep. Well, why didn't we wait to do this? It was so stupid. I'm not going to be um, here next weekend. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know what? I'm not either. I'm going to be on a boat now that I think about it. I'm going on a cruise next weekend. So, yeah, that's I get, That's why I guess we didn't wait. But, um, but yeah, so T-Hawk defeated Ata in the first semifinal, 14-13 at the Night Ride. Naruki Doi beat Shingo Takagi in 1903 at the Bakatere Sliding Kick in the other semifinal. That was cool, at least. Doi getting some revenge on Shingo for kicking him out of the unit. Um, and then the next day, the King of Gate Finals, T-Hawk beat Doi 23-50 with the Night Ride. <laughs> um, all right. So let's... Uh, first let's, off, let's, I predicted yeah. everything except for the final result. That's how predictable this tournament was this year. And that's you, had not a, over T- you had Doi over T-Hawk? But, but like the guessing the block final, the block matchups, yeah, I thought it was going to be T and E, and then the Doi redemption against Berserk story. But, yeah, that's... But that's nothing to be really proud of, to be honest. Um, but the the so okay. I mean, I don't know how to say this. T Hawk might be the worst pick for King of Gate winner and um, world main eventer of all time. Um, he has no heat on him. He has no momentum. He's not over. The crowd doesn't care about him. His matches have been okay. Like it, there was a time when I actually was kind of into his heel, um, and into heel T Hawk as like what did we say he was like the 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 high school senior who was over it basically. Yeah, but like, the high school senior who's already gotten into college but still has to show up to class second semester. But like he just it, it works kind of as like a an upper mid card act, but it doesn't work as a main event act. Like it's just, he's not the guy. Like they keep thinking he's the guy. He's not the guy. And to put him over Doi in the main event, like in the final, a, a guy who actually has been over, he's been the most over person in the company for like eight fucking months. When is Dragon Gate going to start listening to their fans again? Yamato is champion despite getting no reaction on a lot of these shows. Okay, and I like Yamato, but he does not get he gets maybe the fifth or sixth biggest reaction on most of these shows, if that. T Hawk is the challenger despite getting no reaction whatsoever. They don't boo him. They just don't react at all to his matches. So this is a terrible, terrible main event for Kobe World. To a, a heatless champion who you know, it, it felt like he's been champion forever. He's going on his one-year anniversary as champion. His reign has been okay at best versus a challenger. When you have a guy like that, you need a hot challenger. You need something where the crowd is coming to see the challenger. And you, instead, you have a guy who no one in the crowd cares about, who no one in the crowd wants to see as champion, who no one in the crowd is going to be rooting for or even rooting that strongly against. You create a scenario where... In the eyes of the fans, it's almost apathy who wins. Either we continue on with this endless Yamato reign, or we have possibly the least over Dreamgate champion of all time. Like, that's not a good choice. So this is going to be an awful Kobe World main event. It's going to be possibly the possibly the most heatless Kobe World main event of all time. And all I can say is they better have a damn good undercard planned, because... It's just it has to be the worst Kobe World main event on paper in history. Like I really I was trained to think of one that was worse. I mean, 
when the the only one I can think of that's even comparable is Mochizuki and BB Hulk. But at least BB Hulk kind of heated up when they turned him heel after he won King of Gate, and that match ended up being pretty deep, pretty damn good actually. So I mean, it's just like what what can you do to heat up T Hawk? He can't turn heel. He's already fucking heel. <laughs> this- so, I mean, like they. He could turn Shingo. He can kick Shingo out of Berserk, I guess. But that's not that's not going to heat him up. I'm like kicking Shingo out of Berserk is going to heat up Shingo. If anything, it's not going to heat up T Hawk. I've I've heard that scenario bandied about, and it's not going it's not going to heat up T Hawk. Yeah, but I don't know. Like like that's the only way to get even a modicum of interest into this match. I think. Like because of because they only have like two taped shows before Kobe World now. Like we're officially like in like the lead up like next weekend on the sixth. It is the Go Home Corkin. Like it, it, it like it's on it. And to be honest, like even if you the idea that oh 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 he turns on Shingo and then you probably have Hulk turn heel too. Instantly, the person's gonna have more heat on that's Hulk. Like, well, yeah, well, and also, guess who's gonna be? Guess who's, we're gonna that, that puts heat on T Hawk versus Shingo. Yeah, Not exactly. T-Hawk. Like, how does that put heat on T Hawk versus Yamato? What the fuck does Yamato have to do with them turning on Shingo? Yeah, and to be honest, guys, uh, I'm not a big match Yamato fan. I think I'm pretty much on record for like the way that he's a very slow build up person in his Dreamgate matches, but putting him up against T Hawk. Who is like molasses? Like he, had, like his most interesting match he had. I think his this tournament was the one he had out on the first Corkin. To be honest, of King of Gate. Like this is this is not just gonna be heatless. This is just gonna like every like meme and stereotype you you hear about the Dragon Gate style main event singles match. It's gonna be in a play and it's gonna suck. And like just like looking at everyone that. Like, not even going all, between the four people they had there, all three, the three other ones, like, even though Shingo is overly done, that would have been a more interesting and more heated main event. Ada would have been a breath of fresh air, like, oh my god, like, that, like, like contrast I mean, Ada that was, with T-Hawk. That was it. That yeah. was the match to do, either Ada or Doi. Yeah. Those are the two, if you look, listen to the crowd, those are two of the most over guys in the promotion, you don't. Like, it doesn't have to be like it, people think for some reason that Kobe World should be face versus heel. No, it doesn't. There's been lots of face versus face main events at Kobe World. Like that's happened over and over and over again. Actually, there's been more face versus face main events than face versus heel. You easily could have done Yamato Doi again. You easily could have done Yamato Ida again. Ada, Yamato Ada would have been a much better choice. A much better choice than Yamato T Hawk. But there's it, one. There's one thing I think we could take though. There's no way I think Teok's going to win this match. I don't think so either. People are arguing this with me. I mean, first of all, a heel is number one in the main event at Kobe World, and um, it's it's never happened in Dragon Gate history. So, like, the only one you could argue is Shingo beating BB Hulk, but Shingo turned babyface. He, he was already turning babyface, and he cemented that turn right after he won. Right. So, like, there really is no no example of a heel winning the main event at Kobe World. I really don't think it's going to happen, yeah. but, you know, I guess we'll say. Milo, what are you thinking about this after John and I have just pretty much had a both of us had aneurysms about this? <laughs> are you guys, are you guys done? Are you guys uh, okay? I don't I don't know if I'm done actually. I was there's something else I wanted to say, but I lost my train of thought on it. Yeah, okay. but um, okay, I'll let you find it. <clears throat> no, it, um, 
what I was what I was going to say with D, with T Hawk. Um, I don't know. No, go ahead, Milo. I don't know what I was going to say. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so. I'm probably a lot less sour on Seahawk than both of you are. Um, but that's more to do with my personal enjoyment of him than anything else, because I to- I completely recognize that he's a guy that pretty much no one in those Japanese crowds cares about. Um, but to be honest, I really don't think that Doi should have won King of Gate. And I just feel like Dragon Gate is trying to do damage control in the worst possible way in that they kind of realize that they dropped the ball big time with Doi by not putting the belt on him at final gate. And that's still something that I feel could have changed everything at the time because Doi was at his hottest maybe going into this match, right? going into final gate. And mm-hmm. if he'd won back then, I feel like it would have shifted the entire promotion around, of course, and maybe we wouldn't be having the extremely subpar 2017 that we're having. Yeah. But they dropped the ball once with him. They dropped the ball twice at um, at Dead or Alive. And I just don't know if they felt like giving Doi like a third shot at Yamato was going to be the right thing to do. And I think they wanted a fresh challenger, but... Should have been eight of them. What? I said should have been eight of them. Yeah, that's what I'm getting getting at. (laughs) (laughs) And I yeah, they wanted a fresh challenger. And I... I don't know why it was T-Hawk because even though I love T-Hawk and I'm like, I, I know that I'm probably like the last T-Hawk fan on earth at this point, but even I don't feel like it should have been what it is. I don't think he's, he wasn't ready in 2015 and he's not ready now. I agree. I mean, like I totally, I would have been going into the semifinal. I, I didn't think Shango had any chance. I didn't really think T-Hawk had any chance either because I didn't think they were going to put a guy over who is completely heatless. And so I would have been fine. I thought it was going to be Ada or Doi, and I would have been fine with either one. So when T-Hawk won, I was just I was flabbergasted. And, you know, it, it made me, as we're going to talk about in a little bit, we talk about the rest of this tournament, it, it, it killed any interest I had in watching the rest of this tournament. Like, I was, I still had to watch the Yamanashi... Osaka and the Hokkaido triple header. I've watched Yamanashi and that's it. I just cannot get myself up to watch Osaka or to watch uh, Hokkaido when I know that this is all building. All this stuff is building to T Hawk way the fucking tournament. <laughs> so I can't. I can't fucking do it. Like I just can't do it. And I remember I thought what I was going to say before. So a lot of people are saying, you know, in that tag match, it's, which uh, the next core game is going to be Yamato and BB Hulk against. T-Hawk and Shingo, that, you know, T-Hawk is going to turn on Shingo, and Yama- and BB Hulk's going to turn on Yamato, and we're going to get T-Hawk and Hulk as heels, and Shingo as Yamato's baby faces. First of all, putting Shingo and Yamato back together is, I think, the worst idea I've ever heard. Um, they, for whatever reason, 
they almost like are they are not good together as baby faces. Like I just I never liked them as I, they they have some very good tag title matches, but like their charisma as baby faces together, it, it just ends up with Shingo overshadowing Yamato, which God knows we don't need that at this point. Uh, Yamato's title reign is hard enough as it is. Second of all, how again how that fucking heats up T Hawk versus Yamato as your biggest show of the year main event is honestly beyond me like it makes no sense how that would work what what matches would you want to see coming out of that you would want to see t-hawk versus shingo and yamato versus bb hulk those are the two matches that you would heat up out of that scenario not t-hawk versus yamato the kobe world main event i mean maybe i'm spending too much time on this for something that's not gonna that hasn't actually happened yet but it's just if it does happen like that, I think it'll be a huge mistake. I think it will not heat up the Kobe World Main Event at all. And I don't know what the fuck Dragon Gate is doing. Like, this year has been incredibly bad from a booking yep. standpoint. There's yep. been some good wrestling. But 2017, 2017 is on pace to be, I think, I would argue, the worst year in Dragon Gate history. I can't think of a worse one. Uh, I can't think oh, nine. of... Oh, nine. Uh, if you remove the, the, the animal yeah. stuff... I think 09 is the only one I would argue with. Yeah. But, but like, at it, least there was some good stuff in 09. And, like, the end of the year was pretty good, like September, December. So I guess 2017 can still be saved by the end of the year, too. But, like... Um, and it's going to have to be. The first honest. half of 2017 has been fucking awful. I, like, this is how bad it's gotten. I did a list of my favorite promotions, okay? Uh, the nine promotions I watched. Dragon Gate came in seventh, okay? They were my seventh favorite promotion above only noah who i barely watch and ring of honor who i also barely watch that's it they're behind every other japanese promotion i watch they're behind in my as far as my interest level goes i just don't then none of their matches are in my top 10 matches of the year are really even close and, and i'm a lifelong dragon gate fan folks i biased towards dragon gate i started this podcast for a reason and the, the promotion is always gonna have a special place in my heart but i cannot find any almost anything worth loving and supporting dragon gate for in 2017 this is this is a black hole of crap and this is after a couple months where it sort of looked like they were maybe turning it around but t-hawk as king of gate winner and just king of gate just flushing it down the toilet with this t-hawk win has just been total garbage i guess that's my crap total crap it's going to like as kind of like in a, I kind of view Kobe World's going to be a microcosm for what's ailed Dragon Gate all this year. Where, like, to be honest, at least in my case, like the the three things I've actively enjoyed from Dragon Gate this year, which have kind of saved it from how, like, I, I know I'm more of a Yamato detractor than most people, but Kagatora's had a great Brave Gate run so far. Like, I've enjoyed his stuff. Uh, Yamamura, like. He still might be my Dragon Gate MVP. Like, he's pretty much been the only one sa- saving it, like, single match standpoint. And Jimmy's versus Maximum has at least, like, had some fire to it, rather than just, like, where it just seemed like the first five months of the year was everyone just standing around going, I guess we're having a title match now. Okay. Like, this is actually... Jimmy. Jimmy's Maximum is one of those things that, like, on paper I should really, really enjoy. But as it's played out, I've only, it's okay. 
but for whatever reason, it, it hasn't really clicked with me as much as I thought it would. I don't know. It almost feels like it's going on a little too long now, and like I kind of want to see Maximum move on to something else, which they're kind of teasing with Reserk that maybe it'll be Maximum Reserk and Reserk. Over Generation too. Yeah, so I don't I don't know, but it almost feels like Maximum has been like in this bubble for since they started with the Jimmys, and I'd like to see them do some other stuff. But yeah, Maximum to me would be my only highlight, like just Maximum in general. It's my only highlight of Dragon Gate so far this year. I can't even imagine what the promotion will be like without them. But, um, like, and this is coming, my 2017 rant, I should know, this is coming after 2016 that I did not like that much either. Like, I think it was better than 2017 so far, but, I mean, like, we're talking now as far as going back to years that I really, really enjoyed. Like, you have to go back to 2015 now, which is, like, the, the latter half of 2015. So that's a long time to go without really enjoying my favorite promotion. Yeah, so. like 2016, like, I think probably my match so far of the year is Big R versus uh, uh, Yamamura. And if I was going to rank, like, the last three years of Dragon Gate, like, top ten lists, and I'm willing to guess it's probably the same for you two, too, it's not, it, it wouldn't reach my top ten. Like, in-ring, it's kind of been down. Things have just been awkward and stilted and just... I kind of just want to hit fast forward to like after some revenge or tag league. So then we have gate dangerous gate, gate of destiny, whatever they're going to call the Sendai show and final gate, because at least then there'd be forced like move stories along. Yeah. Like and summer venture tag. Can you imagine going into summer venture tag league with the lack of momentum we're having now? I mean, summer venture tag league kills the momentum every year, but like what's it going to be like when there's no momentum to kill? <laughs> Doi Yoshi winning. Yeah, uh, I guess so. Yeah. I mean, that'll be cool, at least, yeah. I guess. Oh. So. Oh, that tag scene. Mm. Like, there's just a lot of pieces that they're fitting together. And actually, a better analogy time. So they're making a pizza. Stay with me, guys, on this. They're making a pizza. And they're, and they're putting together ingredients that, in theory, like, as you're making the pizza, it sounds pretty great. But, like, when you end, end up biting into it, it's just like... No, I don't like this Yamato pineapple with the uh, T-Hawk uh, <laughs> anchovy. Like, that that's what it's like to me. Like, But, like, the savior is like, wow, this maximum crust is pretty great. And, you know, I've always thought the Kakatora sauce was underrated. And now we're seeing that he actually is. The sauce actually is pretty dope. So, like, I guess, like, and, and I know I'm a little bit more of a Dragon Gate apologist than you two. But it, it's, it's even hard for me. And as we talked about earlier, Dragon Gate is my primary promotion by levels of magnitude and if it wasn't for the last three days where i just crammed in shows it just is it just felt like i don't know i'd be like oh i guess i'll watch the, the go home corkin for kobe world you know so but there was some interesting stuff going on during king of gate like yeah we, we, we shouldn't forget about that yeah i just i don't know for me like dragon gate has kind of like fallen off the hype radar this year for like many many reasons and and it's just because everything is going so slow mm-hmm. like i don't know how to explain it but i feel like we're just stuck in in a kind of um i don't know how i don't know how to say this i just kind of feel like we're stuck in limbo like yeah. nothing's moving nothing's nothing's really happening um Hopefully, like hopefully, the maximum versus Jimmy's feud is like coming to a head at the next Kodakuen with um, their elimination match, and 
you know, maybe something going, something's going to happen with uh, Yamato and Hulk and T-Hard and Shindo and or something like that. But other than that, it's just nothing's been really happening. Like, that's my biggest problem with Dragon Gate this year is that it's just been a great big lot of nothing. Yeah. Yeah, I totally with, agree with you. I totally with agree. Just like, and you guys know how I feel about that Shima and Dragon Kid reign that just, by the way, it needs to end at Kobe World. I don't think it's going to, but I hope it does. Yeah. You know, you know what happens if it doesn't end at Kobe World? You're going to punch him in the face? It beats Yamador's record. <sighs> for defenses? Oh, God. Not for defenses, but like length, No, but for length. Yeah, for uh, length, yeah. Yeah. And honestly, people have been telling me left and right that I'm wrong about this, but I will never, ever. Okay, let's let's be clear. The Shima Dragon Kid reign should not beat Yamandori's reign in anything. Yeah. That's fucking, that's fucking absurd. I don't care how much you love Shima. That fucking reign should not beat Yamandori's reign in defenses, in length, in anything. That's yep. crazy. Yeah, as as probably this podcast, like, Shima, Shima apologist, there's no reason. Yamandori's reign has a special place. It's, it's legendary. Yeah, like... What? What is legendary about the Shima Dragon Kid reign? The fact that they could have so many fucking bad matches? Shima's like, ego. Like, Shima's ego is legendary. Anyway. But, it's, like, you know, even getting beyond Shima, like, there's other people on the booking staff. Like, why aren't they, like, recognizing, well, like, we could have had T-Hawk and uh, Lindemann, who, like, which could have become a good tag team. Why not give them a shot with it going into yeah. Kobe World? And that way, you get the belts off CK1, and you, we don't have to deal with T-Hawk in the main event. How the, f- how about that, fuckers? Like, get, yep. l- like Genki, come on. I know you're not the. Pr- I know that the Genkiest Booker meme is wrong, but the but everyone who's booking the cards here, like, it, this isn't just like one. Like, and I think it's for the whole entire promotion. It's not just one person fucking up here. It's the entire fucking promotion that's just yes. completely, like, out. Like, to be honest, like, the only tile ring I've been enjoying, and I'm not a huge Kagatori fan, is Kagatori's Breakgate ring. Yeah, it's the only good one. And mm. it's going to be interesting because it looks like we're going to have Kagatori versus Flamita. Well, which... well actually, now the, the maximum triangle get ring is fine. I yeah. only have fun. Yeah, I like it. I like it well enough. It's okay, but it's like the Triangle Gate belts haven't meant anything in years. Well, I mean, that, that is I mean, true. It's the Triangle Gate belts. Yeah. Let's be honest here. But, yeah, it's... Who is the, who is the Awari Gate? I don't even know. Uh, stalker. Is it Stalker? Yeah, it's Stalker still, I think. Well, I haven't seen that belt in so long. I don't, it, it's been years. Though. Like, yeah. they, they did have defenses last year, but, like, they were on house shows that Stalker was there and quickly, like, lost two matches but kept the belt. Mm-hmm. However, I do know who holds a different title in Dragon Gate. Do you all know who the Open the Karaoke Gate champion is right now? I have no idea. It is KZ. At the same yes, yes, it is. At the same show that we saw the lovely uh, Yosuke Santa Maria marry her love Yamato, <laughs> an event that may or, may or may not be canon. The only good thing to come out of Dragon Gate in forever, it's and they, canon. Didn't, they didn't even tape it. I, 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 hey, <laughs> when we talk a little bit about Osaka, there's another moment that was my most heartwarming moment of the year. And right, we, so let's let's get into the shows. Yeah, let's get into the show. I mean, do we have anything else to add about all this? Fuck T Hawk. I'm so sick of the chat. Yeah, I, no, I, I just. Ugh. Oh my! Well, it should ahead. be Yamato Ada. That should be the main event of Kobe World. Anyway. Yeah, yeah just. Uh, 
Okay. Yeah, no, I just wanted to continue on kind of what I was saying earlier. Um, I'm kind of like wondering what are the factors here? Because at the time with Doi uh, not winning the Dreamgate, I really was convinced that it was just a matter of waiting for Yoshino to come back. And um, then he did, but then they <clears throat> they didn't do anything with him and Doi. Right. Like, and they like they they didn't didn't try to push them towards the tag titles. They didn't really try to do anything of the sort. And now they're just kind of stagnating. Like, and even as a fan of all the people that are being criticized here, Yamato's reign is just not clicking. T Hawk's not clicking as a challenger. Um, the Twin Gate reign is a fucking garbage hellfire train. Um, and I'm just what I was gonna say. I was imagining what a garbage hellfire train would look like. That that's. <laughs> but I, I would think maybe Doyoshi are gonna want to try the Twin Gate at World. Is that that makes sense, right? If they yeah, because Maximum has a Triangle Gate defense scheduled. So. Yeah, for, so they're gonna lose that, and then maybe yeah, Doyoshi maybe Doyoshi win the Twin Gate at World, yeah. which is cool. But I I don't know. <sighs> it's just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just that Dragon Dragon Gate is so frustrating this year. I feel because there are so many simple solutions for everything. Like Mike said, you could put the Twin Gates on T Hawk and on and Linda, and so not only do you have a fresher team holding these belts, but also you don't have to make T Hawk the world challenger. You know, just really just simple things that could have made it so much better. And for some reason, they're just deciding not to do any of it. And it's not like I know there's a lot of people who snark and say, oh, how can fans think that they can like book better or whatever? It's not just thinking it's not thinking that you can book better. It's thinking that you can book it all. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like the the booking has been really terrible this year. I mean, anyone anyone trying to defend it, I think, is trying too hard. So, mm-hmm. and know. you know, I we're, I mean, we're gonna get to it probably, but there's a friend of the show, Andrew um, Henry two sixteen, who I I talk to him a lot, right? And we the thing that we argue the most about is definitely Shima's ego. Um, which I think he has. Andrew thinks Shima doesn't have an ego, which is, I think, pretty preposterous to put it like that. But um, I think that's, I, you know, <sighs> I would, I wish I had his optimism for Dragon Gates. I mean, I have optimism that eventually. Like, the promotion ebbs and flows, and eventually, like, it might be the end of the year, but things, like, things have historically turned around. And to me, a lot of this is, at least for T-Hawk, is they, uh, like, I know one of the questions is a little bit about T-Hawk and, like, what's the deal with him. They've had eyes on T-Hawk ever since he entered the promotion. Like, to a level that, like, that, that, like, things have been, like, said about Yamamura and Benkei, but, like, I uh, I know, Milo, you, you you got into Dragon Gate after his debut, but, like, John, you remember, like, everyone was like, oh, yeah, T-Hawk's going to be the guy. Like, everyone was like, T-Hawk's, like, the next 
guy in like the chain of like Yoshi Doi, Shingo, Hulk, Tozawa, Yamato. It was supposed to be T Hawk was supposed to be the next one. And they kept on trying. And they kept on trying. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he's never been either positive it has never had any response either positive or negative since he dropped the fake Naoki character. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And you know, one conversation that I had with Andrew is why do they keep trying with T-Hog? Because, I mean, it's been years now. They had so many opportunities to realize that he's not necessarily going to be the guy that they need him to be. And maybe he'll just always be a good mid-carder. And that it's fine, but Dragon Gate and whoever books the cards and whoever's like pulling the strings is absolutely refusing to see that. I think it's groupthink. I think because since the promotion is greatly run and operated by the older guys, I think that groupthink that like there's something about T Hawk that reminds them of the past of Torimon, and it's like, well, let's. Like, we had to keep on giving him a shot here, but I mean, yes, Hulk had the yeah. record for the most keys before winning, but Hulk still had heat. People still cared about Hulk. No one cares about T-Hawk. Like, other than, like, like, and I'm not trying to pick on you, Miley. Like, Miley, I think you are, like, the last T-Hawk defender alive, but, like, <laughs> no one, but, like, no one cares. Like, it, Yeah, no, no, I, like, I agree, and... That's the thing that I'm kind of like really puzzled about. And the the discussion that we had with Andrew was really about that. It was, can we think T-Hawk can be more? Does he have the potential to be more? Does he want to be more? Because that's also a big question that you have to ask. Because you know that motivation can play a big part in things. Just look at Ata. Yeah. And if he isn't, how long is it going to take for Dragon Gate to realize that? Because... 2015 was a failure, right? Oh, absolutely. And it's now two years later, and they haven't learned anything. Yeah, the only the only argument I can say is that people people like like Dylan Justin from Voice Wrestling was arguing this, like they haven't tried to push him as a heel yet, so maybe give him a chance with that. But he's been a heel yeah. since September now. Yeah. Like if just because they ha- they haven't pushed him to the moon, he's still been a feature guy in Twin Gate matches, in main events, in semi mains, in Corican main event tags, and he gets no reaction. He's so the number clearly, two. He- clearly pushing him as a heel is not doing anything either. So why giving him this King of Gate win, his second King of Gate win, which is by the way is fucking insane oh wait no wait, first. this is first oh, one he didn't oh, win yeah, in 2015 yeah. <laughs> he lo- you're right you're right you're right Calm i'm down. sorry he lost to yoshino in the final i totally forgot about, or yeah yoshino i totally forgot about that but he's been in the uh, finals three out of the last four king of gates that's yep. crazy so they, that's probably why i thought he'd won I, I mean he i mean it's been ridiculous and here's the thing about the eight months we all remember that turn when, when so he turned is, and no one cared it's his second Kobe World Main event. Yes, it is. Yep. Okay, so that's what that's where I'm getting confused. Sorry, but his second Kobe World Main event. Who the fuck on this roster? Imagine what anybody else on this roster could do with two Kobe World Main events. Ada would be like the biggest star on the fucking planet if he had two Kobe World Main events. Okay, so why the fuck we're giving it to T Hawk over and over again? I 
it just makes no fucking sense. And I, I, I get to be fucking fired up because I'm, I just don't understand what the fuck they're doing. I don't understand why the fuck they won't give it up. This is fucking Roman Reigns levels of fucking Ooh. stubbornness. And I'll make an for saying that, but I'll make Roman Reigns levels of stubbornness. Oh, oh, John, I'll join in on people getting mad at at us. Roman Reigns is a better wrestler than T Hawk. Like, I think Roman Reigns is a better big match wrestler than T Hawk. I I would agree with that. I mean, I'll be honest. I'll be honest. I haven't watched WWE in over a year, so I wouldn't be able to tell you if that's true or not. I mean, I will say, yeah, I haven't. I, I I haven't seen him in anything this year, other than that. The only thing I've watched WWE this year is I watched half of WrestleMania and I watched like the Rumble match and AJ Cena. And that Undertaker match was terrible, but I don't know if that was his fault. Um, I don't think it was, but. But yeah, I mean, he was, he was really good. That match he had against Brock was better than anything I've ever seen T Hawk in, honestly. So. so, so, so T Hawk is a, is a great tad wrestler. Yeah. Yes. T Hawk is a great number two. Like, and I think that's his ceiling. And this isn't a situation like BB Hulk, where you had the right storyline with Mad Blanky going into Dia Hearts, that you were able to make it into, like, this great redemption that he was actually able to be an ace for a time period. Like, he does, like, maybe we look back at this, because T-Hawk still is only 27. Maybe we look back at this, like, after this fails, and I think you're lying to yourself if you think it's not going to fail. Like and I honestly, I don't think there's anyone, at least on the, on the English speaking side of the fandom, who thinks that T Hawk is going to somehow succeed at this. No, oh, Dylan and, Justin apparently. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, but, yeah, but yeah, but Dylan Justin is an outlier and should not have been counted. Wow. I mean, I'm you sorry, think- Dylan. I, I Dylan, I like you. Oh, 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 oh I love oh, Dylan. Dylan no, Dylan knows I'm just uh, but, joking but around. D- Dylan and I can. We should have him on here to like argue his T Hawk point. <laughs> that actually would be a be interesting. But like getting back to it, like, and I feel like this kind of be a good time just to kind of wrap up about thirty minutes of bitching about T Hawk. But yeah, <laughs> uh, so he's going to main event Kobe World. I think all three of us are agreement that he's going to lose. And what do you do? I with- think he should. I think he should. I'm. Contrary to the both of you, I'm not confident that he will. What, what percentage chance would you give him, Milo? 40-60. Okay. I, I could see that, especially considering how long the rain's going. Like, I'm probably I'm probably 25-75 at best for him winning. But, okay. Uh, but, like, let's talk about, like, for T-Hawk. This will be, like, the second attempt here. When and if this fails... What is what is there for T Hawk for the next thirty six months? Because losing two straight Kobe World main or losing two main, Kobe World main events, I mean, it took Tazawa years to recover from losing two Kobe World main events. Like what? Like like what? What can you do with him? Wait, which Kobe World did? Uh, he had Shima. He had, he had a. Are you talking about Tazawa? Yes. Uh, Shima, and I thought he had another yeah. one. I thought he had a Mochizuki one, but I might be. I'm tired. I was at a barbecue seminar all yesterday. Shima for Shima for sure, but yeah, I don't. I don't have it right now. But regardless, love, yeah. What do you do with him? What do you do with T Hawk? Honestly, I feel like Dragon Gate really has to look at itself in the eye and just admit that 
he might never be more than the number two in a unit, the the second guy in a tag team, and that's perfectly fine. I, I think it's perfectly fine. I, I think that's a, where it's about too. He's a, ta- he's a ta- I totally agree. He's a tag wrestler, and I, I really enjoyed a lot of those T Hawk and Ada tag that that whole T Hawk Ada tag ran. I liked it a lot. So yeah, you know, I can't really. But even though I don't think it ever got the crowd reaction, um, it should have gotten. But right. I still liked it. So, yeah, he's, he's a tag guy, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I really wish that they would like realize that it's not a bad thing because they have so many other young people that they can count on. Ada, maybe Yamamura, if you want to do something shocking. Ada, maybe Yamamura, Big R. Um, like, I don't know why, like, they insists so much on T-Hawk when it's becoming clearer and clearer and clearer that he's just not the guy that they want him to be. Yeah. So, it's just... like, at, at this point, it's just a matter of waiting for them to realize it. Yeah. And I, and I, say, I say this as the last T-Hawk fan on planet Earth. But I think I would be much happier if T-Hawk could really find the niche where he belongs and can actually like get some crowd reactions and get settled as a, a good tag wrestler. You know, just... Totally. <laughs> All right, so let's let's move on because we spent enough time talking about this. Um, I don't know, do you guys really feel like going match by match on the Kurrigan? Should we just talk let's about talk about Kotoka pitting two former Brave Gate champions in the span of two weeks? Yeah, let's uh, like I feel like it's worth talking a little bit about uh, the uh, at least I feel like there's a little bit of talk about Asaka and Yamanashi before we get into Korkin. Just like Yamanashi, like or at least I'll say what I think. I thought it was interesting to get a what usually is a, a hometown house show on Gaora. Like that was an interesting experience and it was a cool. Yeah, thing. I think the, the, yeah, the venue was really cool looking. Um, yeah, for sure. I like mm-hmm. the venue. I like the venue a lot. Um, everything was clipped to hell. Everything was clipped to hell. Um, I don't really remember anything from the, let me, let me see what I wrote about it on Twitter. Yeah. Like um, as much as, Shingo is as a person. Seeing a hometown entrance of someone was interesting. Like, yeah. all the, like, like it was a, it was kind of a cool thing. But like, oh man, I wish I could see a Don Fuji basho. But like, <laughs> but like, yeah, it just like there was nothing on that those shows that I would tell anyone to go out of their way to watch. Maybe see I, the, uh, the entrance. Kanda Kanda Linda Man was good. I liked. I it. liked that. It was fun. It, it felt like a house yeah. show match to me. Yeah, I don't know. I, I thought I, I enjoyed it for what it was. Yeah. So Super Gamma was okay. Um, the the Jimmy's Maximum Eight Man was de- was clipped to hell. The main event was pretty boring. I thought, like, especially when Yamato was in there with T Hawk, and it's like, yeah, here's your fucking world main event, and like, it's just it was nothing. I I, I didn't good. watch was, that match. I just saw the entrances and watched the post match. To be honest, that, I knew I knew what I was getting into. Those exchanges were so boring, and, and the most boring part of a very boring match. Yeah. So not a good, not a good main event. I would say just watch Linda Man Conda. That's about all I could recommend from that show. Hmm. Um. But yeah, I'm not about to recommend a 16 minute gamma match to anyone I care about. It yeah. wasn't very good. It wasn't. No, very good. I feel like that was. 
it, it was it, it felt like that match really like felt like a house show match and Susumu won a gift certificate that I guess Stalker Ichikawa wanted like that's what I got out of it apparently Big R Shimizu won like a cow like as a result of that <laughs> Jimmy's Maximo match because like they gave like a special sign that there was like a giant cow on it it's like I guess Shimizu just won a, a cow that's amazing when I'm pulling out like these, like these random things, and there's random things about Osaka too outside of a really great uh, KZ Susumu match. Like when I'm pulling out these things, that's you can pick and choose with your King Gate shows. Yeah, I mean for for my catch up for this episode, I only watched the King of Gate matches and the max and one Maximum versus Jimmy's Tad, but yeah, you know I just I just and this is. Like really disappointing because even this the tournament as a whole hasn't been very good. There's like five matches I would recommend, to be honest. Yeah. Like nothing from Yamanashi. I would recommend the uh, from the first Korokin. I'd recommend uh, Mochizuki Takagi. I'd recommend uh, Benkei T Hawk. I'd recommend Shima Yamamura just because. Oh my god. And then. Uh, I really liked KZ versus Susumu from Osaka. Me too. And then Korokin had some better stuff. Oh, yeah. um, Sap- Sapporo had uh, Doi versus um, Doi versus uh, Saito and uh, Yamamura versus Kagetora, which were bo- both really good. Yeah, I I did not make it to Sapporo yet. I want I'm going to check out those two matches, especially since I'm really sad that Big R versus Don Fuji got clipped. I really, I, I yeah, I mean, though, like Osaka and. Sapporo, I meant to watch. I just never could get into. I could never get myself up for it ever since the news of T Hawk won. That's the, that's a big that's a problem that of just these shows not being live is like waiting so long for or not even being close to live. Just having to wait weeks and weeks is you know just in general trying to get yourself up to watch a bunch of can gate shows after you already know the winner is kind of stu- already kind of stupid. But then trying to do it when you're when you know the winner and you fucking hate the winner is is even worse so it's just it's a really big problem with the dg schedule uh, john just like in a vacuum i think kz versus susumu is worth watching okay just, I, have to, I have to get around to it yeah I love just, there's, just, there's just so much wrestling to watch now and right like, i don't know i just can't like king of ddt was yesterday and that was that was like one of the best shows of the entire year and meanwhile here we are in dragon gate with like a tournament that already aired that that's already over that the shit is still airing like well you're the one mike who said ddt needs to have or dragon gate needs to have a ddt universe kind of service well i mean they, i've they really do i i i think they should have one but i think that we'd be lying to ourselves <laughs> expecting that to happen like I'm, no I, I i know i know like the the, the, the biggest problem about all this is gayora has such a backlog of stuff from april and may that like they're only now, like, it's going to... The Gayara schedule for July is... The rest of June and July is next week, or uh, tomorrow, the finals are airing. And then... And, and then in two I'm not weeks... Even, I'm not even sure I'm going to watch it, but we'll say. I, I, I'm interested. Doyoshi has a match. There's a Doyoshi match that I'm pretty yeah. hyped about. Uh, and then the, uh, the Osaka show that has the Triangle Gate match is on the 16th on Gayora. And like that, like that's the thing. It's just like they got so backlogged. So I mean, Gay- like if Gayora like scheduled things better and in their release schedule, I feel like that we wouldn't be nearly a month late 
and saying the King of Gate finals. Yeah, it's really it's really bad. So they, yeah. they I, I get that we're never going to have anything like DET Universe where literally like almost all their big shows and even a lot of their smaller shows air live. It just makes the it makes the promotion so much easier to follow. But I get we're never going to have that. But at least can we get the gear scheduled like a week delay or something? Right. Like it's just really annoying. But, yeah. you know, whatever. Uh, um, uh, uh, one other thing we, I wanted to talk about at Osaka, it was kind of cute that it was both Don Fuji's and Doi's 20th anniversary, and their moms were out there giving them flowers. And and uh, Mrs. Fuji, Mrs. Fuji was adorable and was, like, crying in the ring, like, giving her son flowers. And he he seemed like such a proud a proud son, and it led him to just being the shit out of Yamato. So that was kind of cute. And I think it was Shima's daughter gave him the flowers in the main event. So like that's that was neat. It was their twentieth anniversary. Take it as you will. Yeah. I don't care about you, <sighs> <Ira>, bitch. <laughs> um all right, so anything else about Osaka or no? <coughs> Sorry. Uh I mean like that that's really like what all I saw. I mean, uh Milo, did you have any other matches that stuck out for you from Osaka? Not really, no. Right, but I listen. keep watching. I keep watching Casey perform in all these shows, and I'm almost thinking at this point that he's too good for Dragon Gate. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, he's like, he, he's performing above his slot in Dragon Gate by far. Yeah, he's just like I'm getting so. I think with with the Twin Gate Rain, uh, Casey's position is probably the one thing that frustrates me the most about Dragon Gate. Yeah, because and it's really ju- and it's really just a question of status quo, but it's not a good thing. Yeah, like there was an opportunity not to go completely back on the Twin Gate titles. That throughout this reign, there were four different people who could have really used the Twin Gate titles, and KZ, Maria, Hulk, and Lindemann that they didn't have the opportunity for. But yeah, Osa- but yeah, like KZ, I think he's probably the standout performer of the tournament out of everything I've seen. Like either him or, I mean, I've all the matches I saw. I dug a lot of the Fuji matches. Fuji is always kind of good in these one-on-one situations, though. So, yeah. Any anyway, but um, that's that's that. I guess. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to the Kurikan. This is actually a show that when I was watching it live, I enjoyed quite a bit. So, I mean, at least this show was good. Um, yeah, it's good. Not as good once you know where it was going, but. Uh, it was a fun show. Um, I didn't see the... Did anyone see the dark match? Shun Skywalker and Yuki Oshioka? I didn't see it. I did. Uh, my was it good? Uh, yeah, I did. It was really cute. And Yoshioka's gear is so bad. It's so bad. Milo, I wanted to talk to you about it. I figured out what his gear is, what the problem with his gear. Other it's than, too short. It's, it's too, too short sh- and too tight around the crotch area. I think the thing that really bothered me was that he was wearing, like, old-school, like, amateur wrestling shoes instead of boots. So, like, you got a whole bunch of ankle. <laughs> uh, I was watching it with uh, Ian, and um, the first thing that he said was that he has those ultramentous black length issues. Yeah. Totally. I see exactly what you're saying there. But, um... Yeah, right. it was, so- but the, that match was completely... Like uh, it, it was a fun rookie match. It was, yeah. It was. Uh, I can't remember the word I wanted to use. It was uh, like less than three minutes. So yeah, it yeah. was less than 
minutes. Um, it was just there. I mean, it was just there. It was a rookie match. I don't. You don't really. You can't really expect a lot from these. Right. I mean, like Skywalker's <clears throat> moonsaults are crisp, though. I'll say that. Like he. Yes. He's looking all right, and it just was kind of there. Yoshioka, I guess. He is. I. I don't know if he's going to be the next dancing fool, but I guess that's what his gear is saying. But it was there. Like all right, so the so the real opener, uh, right. eight man tag, Shima, Dragon Kid, Gamma, and Ata defeating Don Fuji and the Jimmys, Genki, Kanda, and Kaness. Dragon Kid pinned Kanda in ten thirty five of the Bible. Um, what I remember from this match is first of all, Ata was the star of this match. Um, he was ridiculously over, like ridiculously over with the crowd. Um, you know, and very, very over. And his exchange with Genki, I remember, it was really, really good up until when they had to stop for the rubber band spot. But it was a, it was a, it was a good opener. And um, Aiko was also the kid's favorite wrestler, by the way. He was yes. so happy. He, he was so happy. Very, very cute. Yeah, but this, I thought this match was, I thought this match was a very good opener. And Aiko was a humongous star, and again, should have won this tournament. Yep. Horiguchi was so crestfallen that, like, Ada was clearly getting out uh, chanted by him. Yeah, when Genki started to start the H-A-G-M-E, and, and, and then they did, like, way more of the crowd was like, Ada! And Genki was That was me. It was up. me. <clears throat> yeah. it, like, my one note I had about the match is, is there anyone on the roster that Ada doesn't have great chemistry with? Because, like, everyone that came into the match, like, Kness, the, the moments of Kness and him in the match were dope. Kanda. Horiguchi, Fuji, like, Ada feels like that he's like the Swiss Army knife like he, right now. You could plug him into any scenario, and he has a way to work it. it it's, like, that, it, it was the Ada show. I really enjoyed the opener. I mean, Ada, Ada is one of the most over guys in the company, and I don't know why he doesn't get, he isn't getting the Kobe War main event, but I guess that's, we talked enough about that. Um, very good opener. I like <laughs> Um Next match, we had um, Takashi Yoshida and El Lindeman beating KZ and Maria. Eight fifty nine. Lindeman pinning Maria at the Tiger Suplex hold. Um, anytime KZ and Maria get the team together, that's great. They're my OTP. Um, I y- Yoshida is growing on me as as unmasked. Um, I feel like he has a great expressive heel face. Yeah, like he he can make himself like constantly look like he's smelling a fart. You know, like kind of like William Regal used to be able to do. So that's that's a good heel face where he just constantly looks like he's very unhappy. So it, it works for him. Um, the the only thing I would say about it is it was it picked up by the end. It was um it was kind of dull and plotting for a while. Heel Linda Man is kind of doing very little for me right now. Um, baby needs to come home is what I is what I wrote on Twitter and like. Yeah, I mean, like, it's it's fine, but I think he was better off as a babyface in the long run. But I actually kind of dug the Linda and Yoshida tag team. Like, it's a lower-end tag team, but the two have... Like, I was surprised to see they actually had some chemistry with it. Like, it, it was my worst match of the show that's not the opener. But, like, it's still... I thought it was okay, and I kind of dig Linda and Yoshida. Like, I'm not a... Kong fan at, or former Kong fan at all, but like he like I kind of like the little man big man tag team, like the mm-hmm. idea that like both of them kind of like throw people around. It, it was kind of fun. I, I I could see them being a fun like summer adventure tag league team. But yeah. yeah. Um, 
You don't have any thoughts about that? Not really. Um, I find myself just not very interested in Yoshida at all. Like, um, yeah. And, you know, anytime Verserk wins, it just, send, just sends me into an uncontrollable, uncontrollable rage, so. At least this is a mostly clean Verserk win. That's true. That's true. It just, you know, it was your your second match on the show, I felt like. Not yeah. much. Not much there. Like, Yoshida, I feel it's, like... Uh, it did not rock my world. And I feel like Yoshida's still trying to find himself. Like, I totally believe that he looks like he's smelling a fart. I'm a, I, I want to get your response, y'all's response on something. I'm about to drop something into Skype. Mm-hmm. It is his uh, profile page on the GOR website. Like, Jesus. I love that photo so much. Because he definitely yeah, looks like he's, he, he caught something in the air. Yeah, that that's something. Yeah. Yeah. Doi versus Yamamura was interesting, though. Like, the next match. Uh, yes, I really like that. I really, really like that. Like, I, I, I've i dug that, like, Yamamura, like, his whole entire storyline throughout the tournament is he got so much confidence for being Shima that, like, every match he's just going balls to the wall in. And mm. Yeah, he did that in the... Um, <laughs> balls, I love that expression. Um, he did that in the... Um, the Karatora match from Sapporo that I'm the only only one that has seen it. Um, he was really kind of um, verbally abusing poor Karatora, and it was like this kid has really built up some some confidence. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, Doi like cranked that boss and crab on during the match. Like that was a picture perfect. Like someone tell like Chris Jericho that someone could do a better elevated crab than him. Like it was great. <laughs> it was tremendous. I loved it. Um, yeah, I don't know. This, it was, it was good. I don't know. <laughs> um, I didn't have a lot of strong thoughts on this one way or the other. Um, we're talking about Doria Yamamura, right? Yeah, like, um, yes, John. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm so like out of it. I just tune out. I mean, I, I remember, I remember liking it. Um, oh, wait, what did I, what am I talking about? I gave it three and three quarters. Yeah, it was very good. <laughs> um, I, it, Yammer, I remember when Yammer hit the Bakater, the and then the kick combo. That was probably like the best near fall of the entire match. That was really good, and it was a very it had like a classic kind of like um, the a classic like upstart versus um, you know veteran kind of feel to it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I really I really enjoyed it a lot. I don't know what I was just talking about. I lost my train of thought or something, but I apologize. I, I'm sorry. The photo of Yoshida is that distracting. Yeah, it, it really like it made me start thinking. I guess <laughs> it, was, it was a very good show. Yeah, um, I liked it. The next match, though, like we we gotta talk about this. Sh- Shimizu versus Yamato. That was crazy. Like that. Yeah, big big art destroyed him. Yeah, that was the, that was the best. That like that was, I love that so much. Mm-hmm. I loved that match so much, and it was like three minutes long. Yeah, it might be one of my favorite three minute matches I've seen. Like, like I just love the concept that like Big R Shimizu. Like we've always known that at least for like the last two years, the shot put slam is 
one of, if not the most protected finisher in Dragon Gate. But, like, this match, like, for me, like, introduced, like, this, like, three-minute stretch that it's like, okay, Yamato got a couple strikes in, but I, I really like the storyline that I felt like was told during the match that, like, as soon as, like, Shimizu gets on a roll, you have to stop him or else he's going to murk you. Like, outright, squish you dead, two shot put slams, and, like, the second one was just him being mean. Like, yeah, that's what ha- that's basically what happened. Yamato did not stand a chance. Yeah. It was tremendous. Like, I gave... I don't think, like, I've ever given a three... Like, a three-minute match as high of a rating as I gave it. I gave it three and a half stars. Like, I... Like, if I was going to make, like, a, a mixtape, a mixed DVD of Dragon Gate this year, this would be on the list. Just because it's, like, a fun three-minute thing that you can see. Wow. Big R Shimizu is, like, a train out of control at times. Mm-mm. This was basically just a, like a condensed version of their Kinder Gate final from last year. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, like Yamato won, but he took so much punishment during that match. And that was basically that match, but remove all of the offense that Yamato could have gotten in and just have him get completely steamrolled. Like, he was dead. He was dead to the world after that. Like, goodbye and good night. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, like it's. I really, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I um, really like that. So, the. We're ready to go to the next match? Yeah. The next match was a six man tag Maxim versus the Jimmies. Uh, Yoshino, Katoka, and Benkei. What the hell? Yes! Against <laughs> Michizuki, Jimmy Saito, Jimmy Saito, and Jimmy Kagatora. Yes. First of all, this is, the, this is the first time I saw Kagatora with hair again. In a very long time. A Kagatora what? Kagatora with hair again. Katoka. Oh, Katoka. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's... <laughs> I'm, I'm running out of... I'm running out of... Uh, I'm running low on steam, everybody. Katoka... Like, t- talking so much shit about T-Hawk has drained me. But, no, Katoka, the first time he really had hair again in a long time. Yes. After, after all that time of, um, you know, just... Upholding. He had to uphold the, the the stipulation of not being able to grow his hair back for a year, so he finally could start growing it back after Dead or Alive. This is about a month after Dead or Alive, a little less than a month actually. So finally, the hair was back was starting to come back in. I was like, "Thank God," because Katoka looks so much better with hair. It looks so cute. Is yeah. it just me, or Katoka's hair grows really fast? Yeah, it does. Yeah. I guess that that's probably why they had to do that get that gimmick. Yeah, with the can't grow your hair back for a year because they were like, well, with how fast his hair grows, it'll it won't matter after like three weeks. So. <laughs> By Kobe World, he would he'd be a part. He'd have a bowl cut, so like you you'd have to. <laughs> Please God, no. Took a bowl cut. You're not a fan, Milo. Not really. <laughs> not really. No. But um, but yeah. So this was fifteen thirty four. Katoka pinning Saito with the Caldrea. Yes. Yeah. Um, yes. The the, the one, oh. thing I, one thing from this match I really liked too was um, so Maximum did like a surprise assault right at the start, and the look on Rio Saito's face when he realized they were jumping him was just like the greatest. I mean, Rio Saito always has amazing facials, but like he just had this look of like surprise and shock and appalled is the best way I can put it, and it was great. Um, <laughs> 
Mochizuki yeah. during that too, because because he did not get involved in the beatdown. He just like walked to the ring. It was just like wandering around, sitting on the apron, going, "You kids, we're supposed to have a wrestling match here. Damn it! What are you all doing? We're supposed to be wrestling. The thing on the marquee is wrestling. Why are you Why are you five fighting? He just stood there. <laughs> yeah. So this this I remember this was a really good six man tag team match. Probably the best match of this feud so far. Um, and it looks like we're getting the the big thing in the post match is that we're getting a captain's fall. It was Naniwa elimination match next month at Hurricane. Yeah, and it's so, like, yeah, and John, you were talking about how Seahawk has like zero heat at all, but on the other hand, this match that the crowd was so into it. Yeah, the crowd and was it really made into it, it made it even better. Yep. So I mean that that that'll be a highlight of Hurricane of their upcoming Hurricane. We're definitely for sure because the crowd's going to be super into it. Uh, we haven't had that's another thing that's talked about Dragon Gate 2017. We really haven't ha- had a, a friggin' Naniwa elimination match. Like, when was the last one? Like, January or something? Uh, the last one, I think, was the was the uh, Unit Spans match. One. I think it was November. Yeah, so it's been a long yeah, it, time. Yeah, it wasn't a Nani. Like, it was different rules, right? It was the but so, but so, uh, revives Captain Captain. Yeah, whatever, whatever. Fall Naniwa. The yeah. last, yeah, the last Naniwa elimination match was over Generation versus Berserk back in like. Well, whatever. Either way, though, like, I think it was in like December 2015. Yeah, that's ridiculous. So they, they need to get back to doing more of these matches because the elimination matches of any, under any rules are one of my favorite things about Dragon Gate. And the fact that we've had so few lately is really kind of kind of shitty. So. Uh, there was a Nanawa uh, elimination match, not Captain's Rule, on uh, February at at Hakata Star Lanes, actually. Between, uh, okay. It was... Uh, the, it was Ada, Yamamura, Big R Shimizu, Binkei, and Doi versus Takagi, Hawk, Kong, Lindemann, and PT. Oh, okay. I, I didn't even remember that. I mean, neither did I. I actually just went to Chase site and just searched Nanawa. So. <laughs> but yeah, but like, you're absolutely right. Like, these, like, Corkin has felt like something's missing this year. And I think it is, like, the big unit versus unit, like, elimination match like that's such mm-hmm. a big thing and it's always such a great match like the last two years by this time there's already been like two or three tremendous ones and they just haven't had that this year so i'm excited for that match i think it'd be, i think it'd be really good i think it's interesting that it's katoka who's been the crowd has been so behind him since he's returned like osaka was insane about him it's good to be right and it feels good when a certain someone is wrong like I, I'm like excited about it. Like, like he's on one side, Genki Horiguchi, who's slowly losing it because he's not getting the chance he's getting. Like, it's gonna be a fun match. Like, yeah, I'm stoked. So that was a really good match. Nothing to complain about there. Um, the Susumu T Hawk, slow and boring. Um, I like it. Good, not a very good match. I thought the. It went about 12, 13, 14, Susumu won Jumbo Nokachi. I will say the, the the closing stretch, like the last couple minutes, was pretty hot, and that kind of made up for how boring the match had been up till then. But yeah, I don't. It just it wasn't. I didn't think it was very good. Uh, I noticed something that Milo, since you've seen all the shows, I wanted to ask you: Did you notice a trend that Susumu every single match this tournament has, like the story has been him getting his arm focused on? Yeah. Okay, 
because like it definitely yeah, is a factor in KZ as well. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like that, like it's interesting, like the, the contrast of how hot the crowd was for Maxima versus uh, Jimmy's and how little they cared about T-Hawk versus Susumu. And it's not Susumu's fault. Like the crowd likes Susumu. It's just T-Hawk is a black hole of interest and happiness and anything that's good in the universe. Anyways, <laughs> and my berserk bullshit counter for this match was at two. There's two yeah. bullshit berserk things. I'm honestly just over the whole thing. Like, yeah. At this point, I'm trying my best to be like detached from it because otherwise, I'm just gonna lose my mind. Uh, I mean, it's. I, I, I think whatever comes out of Kobe World and whatever is coming out of Summer Fitcher Tag League, they gotta do something about Berserk, but that's gonna be a topic for a different episode. Just fucking disband them already. Yeah. I'm with you. It's been 500 years. Or it feels like it anyway. But, like, Susumu had a pretty solid tournament, I'd say. Like, he ended up, like, near the top of his block. Like, all of his matches that I've, I've seen, I thought were all good. There was no, like, clunkers out there, and Again, that KZ Susumu match is the match I'd recommend out of Osaka. So, but yeah. <sighs> um. So yeah, that was Susumu and T Hawk. You guys liked it more than I did, I guess. Yeah. Uh, the I, main event. Oh, sorry, Mike. What, I was gonna say answer? like that was my lowest rated King of Gate match on the card. Like I okay. thought, like I wasn't, I wasn't super hot on it. I was, I'm more closer towards you than I would say Milo. Um. So Shingo T Shingo BB Hulk, the main event. Uh, Shingo Shingo wins nineteen forty two with uh, Takano Sume uh, after a low blow. the The low blow crate the low blow cradle finish really ruined what up to that point had been like yeah a really good match. That's thought, exactly what I was going to say. I would give it four. I gave it four stars. I thought it was really good, um, better than I was expecting going in. But just the low blow cradle finish was just crap and probably I, cost the match at least a quarter star for me. Like I thought I it was completely agree with you. Yeah. I mean I thought it was thought it was a very good match up until that. But I, I might have liked came. it a little bit more than y'all. I had it at four and a quarter. Yeah, it was, yeah, I, it was very good. I mean, I, mean I, I don't do star ratings, sorry, but um I I really, really thought it was a great match. And you guys know how I feel about Shindo, so this is, like, a big thing for me to say. Um, I really, really liked the match, and then the finish happened. And the finish was so abrupt, too. Yeah. Yeah, and at this point, I'm like, these are the two guys that have had maybe the most iconic in-ring rivalry in Dragon Gate history. And this is the finish that they come up with? Like... Give me a fucking break. Yeah. The one thing I'll say in his defense, I'd much rather it be like a like classic like Lucha, like distraction, kicking the balls, and then the clutch, than like berserk bullshit. Like, that's... Yeah, for me, it's like it, all the same shit at this point. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, the version that I watched was the Gaora version. I didn't get a chance to keep it li- catch it live. Uh, I, it came in on me, like, I think I missed, like, the first, like, three minutes because like it, it cut in so like it was my version was clipped a little bit like was mm-hmm. there anything really big in the first like few minutes and like after the entrances that yeah. i missed but uh i thought that was like the most fire we've seen out of hulk in a long time too and i think mm-hmm. that's something that i have to say that like going well, back to like the storyline here like 
Shingo can pull that out of Hulk, whereas it feels like that not for many other people, others can. I really liked um, Hulk and Mochi from Osaka. Yeah, that was, I think, that was I think fun. You, I think you didn't. No? Was it you? I can't remember who it was who said that the Hulk was like disappointing or something like that. I was disappointed about Hulk's like not being able to sell the leg at all. Like, mm-hmm. like everyone else on that show, like there was a lot of focus on the selling, and then like because like Shima like still was selling the knee from when uh, Yamamura took him out at Korokan, and then all the like Susumu's selling of his arm when KZ attacked it was excellent, and then you mm-hmm. had Hulk getting his leg attacked for like the first five minutes of the match. And then immediately, like, pulling off the mouse and doing all these kicks like they don't even bother him against the strongest kicker in the company. That really bothered me. But the match, <laughs> the match other than that, I liked it. But, like, that... And, and usually DG selling doesn't bother me, but that really bothered me in that match. But I thought... I see. I, I, I think that it was... I think Shingo probably has had two of the better performances of the tournament. Like, him and KZ. Like, the, of the stuff I've seen, I've been impressed with their performances, but... I think it was also that him versus Mochizuki work and him versus Hulk work. So. Yeah. I think it was, I mean, I think it was still a weaker tournament than last year. Like, if you want to compare. Because last year. I, I, would, I agree. Last year, like, you take the two Kodakmans and last year you really had matches that lit it on fire. Yeah. You, like, you, you had Eita versus Tozawa and Eita versus Susumu. Yeah. Um, you had a Doyoshi match as well, I think, on the second on the on the June Kodakman last year. I think it was on the June June show. It was on one of them. It was on, it was definitely in Kodakman. Um and I just feel like you haven't necessarily had that. Like even Shingo versus Mochi and Shingo versus Hulk weren't like pushed over the top in the way that Eita and Tozawa or Eita and Susumu were. Whether it was uh the work or the crowd heat or stuff like that. And I'm just wondering, like, of course it's difficult to kind of um, take the tem- the temperature of a crowd when you're not really in it. But I'm really wondering if the the local crowd and the people who do attend these shows and go there have soured on Dragon Gate the way that we have. And that's why they're not maybe as hot as they were the same time last year. But that's really just speculation on my part. I, I think there's something, and John and I have talked about this a little bit, there's something about the Tokyo crowds, I feel like, because I feel like the Osaka crowd was, and the Yamanashi crowds were both still pretty hot. Like, I, I, again, I still haven't seen Sapporo, but I, it was noticeable in Korokin. Like, other than, like, the explosion when Yamamura beat Shima, like, there was nothing of that level. Yeah. Mm-mm. Like, and even, like, I'm looking at the blocks from last year, like, each block had, like, a couple matches that were, like, that that it would surprise you about like how great there were like like Shingo Takagi versus Don Fuji was tremendous. That like, was amazing. Uh, Tozawa versus Susumu, and I think it was Tozawa versus Shima were really really great last year as well. Yeah. In in, um, in hindsight, I think this year's Kangate ended up being a disappointment, but um, not even just because of the winner. But like when you remember how excited we were when we saw the lineups. Just I mean the I the freaked out part, for ten minutes. Yeah, the second Kurrican, the June first Kurrican, that one I think delivered. The first Kurrican, whatever the one, whatever the date in May was, that one did not deliver. I didn't think like that one was okay, but it underdelivered from what I was expecting. Other than Shingo Mochizuki being very good, 
But um, like another match we were very excited for was Shima Yamamura, and that ended up being like three minutes or whatever. So <laughs> I mean, it just it it didn't it did this year's Kenny Gate was not as good as last year's. I think. Yeah, I think it's pretty pretty obvious. Well, like the mm-hmm. one thing that I would say in defense of Shima Yamamura was I felt like the uh, like the two big moments of King Gate 2016 were how like it was the match. The match versus Yamato with uh, Big Iron Shimizu was kind of him being come the made man in the company, and there was an event. And, and then Ada's like uh, Ada getting his groove back was like the two like major like events. Like even coming out of the tournament, we're like okay, like it, we now have like two big new players. Like I felt that at the beginning of the tournament for Yamamura, but after that, like and also could be like what matches they chose to, t- to show or not, like it kind of fizzled out. Like, there should have been a big storyline about how Kakatora, like, uh, was, like, in it towards the end of the block. Like, that should have been a big thing. Like, KZ, Susumu, and T-Hawk were all knotted up going into this Korkin. Like, there were storylines there, but nothing felt like a storyline. You know? And that yeah. just... Like, it did... Like, I remember, like, how excited I was about Ada summer 2016. And maybe Yamamura had, like, his spring of 2017... And he already had that moment, so I had higher expectations of him coming into the tournament. But it, I didn't feel that way about anything in King Gate 2017. And I think that's what I'm taking out of it. Other than there were a couple like four-star matches, a couple interesting matches, but nothing that stuck. Mm. And that's really bumming, considering... I think the episode that we had with Chris Maffei from A Music of the Mad, I spent like 15 minutes basically like having like a Coke frenzy, being so excited about the shows. And now I'm just like, ugh, this is over now. Okay. Coke frenzy. <laughs> but yeah. Anyways. <laughs> so uh, that was the Kurrican, and that was our thoughts on Kangate, I guess. Um,. You want to move on to the retro match? Talk about something good, finally. <laughs> yes. Talk about something awesome—the best match in someone's career. Yeah. So, Suwa <laughs> versus Dragon Kid was the retro match this year, and it was Milo's pick. So, Milo, you should introduce this this episode. So, Milo, go ahead and introduce it for us. What? Oh, um, so <laughs> uh, so the match that I chose was Dragon Kid versus Suwa um, from 2000, the year, the year 2000. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I, I'm bad at doing these introductions. <laughs> Sorry. But it's I like a, Yeah, it, it was a very, oh. it was a very big match at the time, just because obviously it was a hair versus mask match. Um, it might've been the first one in, in Toriumon history. I'm trying to think. Was there any in 99? No, no, because the next one after that was Mochizuki versus Shima. Yes. Yeah. So like, this was the first one. Yeah. Yeah, the first Lucha Day Apostos match ever. So, um, I mean, this this match, first of all, Suwa and Crazy Max are, like, in full, like, badass mode at this point. They're not, they not yet even started turning babyface. And the the crowd, um, the crowd fucking loves them anyway, though. And Suwa was sporting some Suwa's prime fashion. Yeah, the predator tights. I completely forgot about Ooh. them. <laughs> uh, that was the airbrushed predator tights. 
guys, we'll, we'll, like when we post the match, you have to watch it not only for how great this match is because match is great, but Sua's ring gear is something. And I think this is the first time DK wore all white. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, which ended up being like his outfit in like one of the um, one of the Fire Pro edits for the longest time. Um, but yeah, the, the the so the match itself starts with Sua just like. Well, he jumps him right away, right? He does like a a, a springboard yeah. drop kick into the ring. Yeah, is how it starts. And Dragon Kid's not at all prepared for this. Um, it's one one of the one of my all time favorite starts to a match is, <coughs> is Sua Dragon Kid standing above the ring and Sua doing the springboard like acting like he's going to enter the ring like normal, and then suddenly doing like a springboard drop kick and just wiping him out. Yeah, it's just a great just a great moment. Um. The first seven minutes or so are especially really crazy. And, like, first of all, Sua beats the fucking shit out of Dragon Kid. Like, were you watching him lay in some of those some of those blows? Like, holy shit. Hit he that clothesline. The, he just beats the, like, the clothesline, the forearms. Just, he beats the shit out of Dragon Kid. Like, Jesus. Like, they have to be one of the stiffest matches in Toriumon history. It's from probably the stiffest worker in in Torimon history yeah. too. Like, like he beats uh, the shit out of him. Like um, uh, a couple of notes I had. One of my favorite spots all time in Dragon Gate history was when uh, when Sua like grabbed the rope and then DK like did like a sky high like rope bump down to the floor. Like, just crotch them the way he did that. <laughs> like, it's just because it's like, Sua is... And for people who haven't really watched, like, Torimon era, especially pre-M2K, Sua was such an interesting character in contrast of Shima and Fuji, just because, like... Like, like there was always, like, a joking about, with, with especially with Don Fuji, but also Shima, Sua was just a dick. Like, and this was him at, like, his all-time dickness, you know? Yeah. Like... And then, like, Taru on the outside, he's an absolute shit stain. Like, represents, like, reprehensible person. Like, we don't need to get into that. But him, and, like, always love the fact that he always is, like, wearing, like, a suit with no shirt on, looking like a Yakuza boss the entire time. Like, I love this match. Like, I forgot how much I love this match until I watched it today. Like, like uh, it's tremendous. It was really, really good. Um, and it's, it's funny. One of, one, of my, one of my all-time favorite matches, honestly. Mm-mm. And I feel like I don't really know what Sua like. He doesn't wrestle anymore, right? No, he retired. What twenty twelve? Right? Was that his last retirement? Yeah, like, he he, reti- he retired twice. He, he retired twice. Um, <laughs> he he came back. He re- he did. He made a big deal out of rec- out of retiring, and he did like um the first retirement show. Is that the one with um with Shima and Don Fuji showing up? Yeah, Shima and Don Fuji. Uh, Showed up. We should give a little bit of a backstory for the people who don't know about what happened with him. Why he left Dragon Gate. Like, he left Dragon Gate because he was... Because he called it social dance wrestling and not real wrestling. And he went Yeah, he to was Noah. really... He really had a magnum. Yeah. So basically, once the Toriumon switch over to Dragon Gate happened, he was the first guy to quit out of hating magnum. Not the last, though, because, um, you know, Taru, Milano, all of Agon... You know, a lot of other people end up quitting. But. Mm-hmm. Well, Agon didn't quite quit, did they? Well, no, no, no. It, it sounds like they, like, like basically they did. Yeah. Like, I remember when, when I talked to Jay about this last time, the way he told the story was basically, 
you know, they, they came to a, a, to an impasse where it's like, we're quitting. Well, you can't quit. You're firing you. So, like, it, it, it's basically how we want to look at it. But they they were not upset with leaving at the very okay. least. Yeah. And then, yeah, in 2007 was his first retirement. And she this is actually back when Dragon Gate and Noah had a pretty good relationship. And so Shima and and Fuji were at his retirement ceremony. But he came back in 2013 as Maybach Taniguchi Jr. Yeah. <laughs> like a yeah. junior version of Maybach. Oh, and wait, it was Maybach Ta- Taniguchi Jr. And then... Because I can, I can never remember the um, the chronology of these events. Right. Mm-mm. Yeah. Right. Okay. Because he was. Um, I think he won the tag team titles with uh, Gemba, maybe. In yes. Noah. The junior tag titles. Yeah. I'm ch- yeah, with Gemba, and then... Um, and then May 11th, he, he was sidelined with a cervical spine injury. Yeah. So, so and that then Noah him. debuted someone to replace him under Hajime, the name Nebasua Jr., and that was Hajime Ohara. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, he also has... Everything the, is connected. I mean, layers upon layers. He also performed one of my favorite moves, which... They're like Susumu kind of triple F. Uh, no, I like the triple F just because I dig like 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 his spinning, uh, lifting double and hook face buster. But I I wanted to talk about the sweeter bomb. Oh yeah, that's like it, it later become more well known as Worldliner for Susumu. But like he does like yeah, they did that in the in the match. Yeah. Yes, that that always looked so physically impossible. Like mm-hmm. every time I see a match where that happens, I have to like rewind it and watch it again and wonder how the hell that did that just happen. Mm-hmm. It, it was uh, in a lot of ways. It's kind of like the movie JFK, where where you like break it down frame by frame. You're like back and to the left, back and to the left. But it's always awesome to see, and I love yeah. w- whenever he did. It. Like these two, like Sua for certain people, Sua has some great chemistry with, and DK he, definitely was. So he did it during this match, right? Against Dragon oh, Kid? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. the counter into the sweeter bomb. That was awesome. Yes. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, the so so we didn't even mention Sua wins at first, seven and a half minutes in the match with a power bomb and his feet on the ropes. But of course, um, just when they're, they're getting ready to unmask poor Dragon Kid, um, Ultimo Dragon comes out to save the day and orders the match to be started. Um, I would say that I, I like the first seven minutes more than what came after. Like it got, it gets a little dull to me for maybe like a five minute period after the restart, but then boy, does it pick up for like the last like five minutes to the finish. Well, um, well there's like one major moment that happens in Dragon Gate history that led to the awesome finish, you know? Yeah. Like, Do you want to talk about that? Talk about, go ahead and talk about it. Yeah. As me being the absolute nerd, I am, I, completely like when i was watching this today i was like oh yeah okay dk versus sua i remember this match somewhat like this is when sua got his head shaved but uh i forgot that this was like when m2k like started their war against crazy max like right in the middle of the match like there was like crazy max like shenanigans and then m2k just come out of nowhere and like bum rush them and fight them to the back and it's and it's just like like the first thing i see is just the shock of susumu purple and i was like wait wait 
wait mm-hmm. and i was like freaking out but like yeah that happens and they fight to the back so it just becomes uh it just becomes dk and sua in the ring for the last part of it Mm-mm. yeah so good um but yeah that's uh that it's it's a very very cool match and yeah. oh i, didn't, and, I even oh, mentioned the the celebration by the way the, when, the, i wanted fake, to mention the finish uh, before we get to that yeah the fakes the fake sua win yes. like shima and don fuji especially celebrating with sua like shima does like the most stereotypical evil laugh we've ever seen it's really funny <laughs> and don fuji keeps raising his arm up and being like yeah it's just it's really really funny their celebration so anyway talk about the finish final yeah, no, I, just that finish was kind of intense because uh, DK finishes it with a heart, with a dragon runner, right? Mm-hmm. And I swear to God, Sua's head almost went through the fucking ring. Yeah. Like, sometimes with Ranas, you really get that impression that the person landed right on top of their skull, and that was one of those times. Mm-hmm. That was kind of scary, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, it, it was a crazy finish. Dragon Kid wins. Sua gets his head shaved. Um, one of one of the, my favorite moments, and then probably one of my favorite moments in Dragon Kid history. After the match, Sua like raises Dragon Kid's arm to be like, "Yeah, you know, it was a great match, and now we have respect for each other." Pulls him in, clotheslines him, and then like it's just pandemonium with people rushing the ring, and Sua just beat the shit out of all of them. It's just a great moment. I love that after the the post match. I mean, that's a stereotypical thing, but it works so well here. I, I mean, like Sua was like someone that like like the saying was that like in Crazy Max you had he like crazy. he was the crazy, Shima was the Max, and and Don Fuji was the weirdo. But like yeah. like that, and then like, do you think like that must have like really sucked in his head shave when he had his hair in braids? Like yeah, that looked probably. like that looked like that was like painful as hell. Yeah, like, probably. like I was like watching that, and I was like wincing, and I was like, "Oh, I forgot that his hair. They had his hair in braids there." And you just like see, like easier cleanup, right? Like you don't have to like have the tarp and like broom up the ring. All you have to do is like pull up all the braids. But it looked like that sucked. And mm. there's one more thing we need to talk about in the post match too. A certain someone, <laughs> a certain someone made a certain other person came out and attacked Dragon Kid. Well, that was Darkness Dragon. Darkness Dragon. Yeah, that started the build, the year-long, the more than year-long build, right? To, yeah. Because that was like, because this is, what I don't remember when this was in 2000. It was like, what, June or something? It was before Anniversaria. Yeah, so it was like, um, uh, whatever, so sometime in 2000. Mm-hmm. Let me see if I can, let me see if I can find the date. I think it's, I want to say it was June 8th. June 8th, okay, so I was, I was close. Oh, yeah. I, wait, I said, I said June. Yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> it was June 2000. So this that was really the start of the Dragon Kid, uh, Darkness Dragon build, and that the fate match versus match match would not happen until September 2001. So yeah. that is a very long build before we got to the next big Dragon Kid mask match. Uh, oh, no, that match was in 2002. That was at Absolute Minta. Oh yeah, so two two years. What the fuck am I talking about? Wow. Don't dismiss my favorite Dragon Gate match of all time, man. September 2002. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Was that his debut? I think that was Darkness Dragon's debut, too. Yeah, Darkness Dragon. I think think that was his debut, yeah. 
Because he had just gotten run out as Makato as Bacato or whatever. Yeah. So. Yeah, you're right. So what the hell was I thinking? September 2002. Because 2001 was the the Crazy Max versus M2K year. Yep. And then the end of the year is when you have the the Shima Mochizuki blow off, and then 2002 was the T2P year. Mm-hmm. So. But yeah, um, what what the hell was the big match at the end 2000 then? Uh, Shima versus Magu. Again, okay. Like the like that was like the first big one. The first big singles, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I it totally blocked that out of my mind for some reason. Hey. <laughs> it wasn't. It probably wasn't very good because none of their matches were that good. I, but, I mean, it was Madam Tokyo. Take that as you will. Yeah. Um. Um. Yeah. I was just gonna say <laughs> this was a very good match and. I hope everybody got, got a chance to watch it. We, we already shared it on our Twitter feed as we're recording this. So, you know, definitely check it out. Any other final thoughts on the match? Yeah, it's just a thought that I get every time I watch a, a match that has Suwa in it um, is that he always kind of strikes me as the kind of guy who's kind of a cult favorite but could have been a lot bigger than he was. I don't know if that makes sense. It, it, it pretty much it does. Yeah. Like, you know, these guys who are cult favorites and they never were like the top guy in any company. They never really like made the the really big time, but they're really cult favorites. And always you always kind of wonder um, if they ever reached like full potential or something like that, you know? Yeah. That's kind of what Sua is to me. And, so and I, I, I okay. think that every single time I watch a match that he's in. Yeah, uh, Sue is a real interesting figure, just in general, like, because of how, like, I know we ta- we've made mentions about us, like, it's very hard to stress how important Crazy Max was to Toriumon, like, yeah. and, it, and it wasn't just, like, a Shima, like, glory unit, like, everyone uh, of the main four, each of them were so important, and, like, Sue... And Sue, Sue was more protected than Shima in the booking. Yes, he was, and... He also was the biggest troublemaker in the promotion too. <laughs> like yeah. there's uh, like him like being off cards for like three months and then coming back and just killing everyone with the triple F for like another two months. Like yeah. he he I I definitely think Milo, you're onto something about like how unappreciated it is just because like in the lead up to really to the, to T2P, you had very clearly had like it was a battle of like the three armies. You had Shima. With Crazy Max, you would have Magnum Tokyo, who really was the head of Seki Gun, and then you had, uh, and then you had Mochizuki for uh, for M2K, and like he was, he was always slotted, and as John said, he was super protected, but like he never like the big singles matches, like this was until he won the uh, the Ultima Dragon Gym Championship, like this was like probably like his biggest match, other than like the horrible horrible <laughs> Magnum Tokyo matches. Awful, garbage, really Kaws- bad. <laughs> oh my god, they were so terrible. Kawasaki like Magnum, mode. As, as much as I don't like Magnum, Magnum and Shima as a feud, like Magnum, Magnum Shima is like fucking Flair Steamboat next to this. Like Magnum and uh, Sue is really bad. Sue, the only other guy I thought Sue ever had a really good singles feud with was Susumu. Yeah, Susumu. they had a really they had a really good match for the British Commonwealth title at World. Mm-hmm. So they, yeah, it was a that was a very good feud. But 
Sua and Magnum. Oh my God! It was oh they for all the matches they had together. You think they would have one good one, and you'd be wrong. They were all fucking terrible. So yeah, and like usually, like for some people, you could tell like there's some heat there, but they're able to work in the match. Like I don't believe they that. Never, yeah, they never could do it. Yeah, they, they, they never they could. Just, they just fucking hate each other so much. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. um, back to the back to this match. Why did I suddenly hear an echo of myself? Because Magnum Tokyo is mad at us. I guess so. All right, that went away again. Good. But yeah, Suwa, Suwa Dragon Kid, awesome match. Highly recommended. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's get into the... Oh, oh for, Mike, do you have a pick for your... It's your pick next. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I'm of two minds. I thought I had mine picked out in my head before we started recording. But like when we... But John, when you brought up... Uh, the importance of another match. It, it also kind of stirred it just because I'm very on record that this one other match is my favorite Dragon Gate, uh, Tori Monsters <laughs> match of all time. So, you know what? That, that's, that, that's a match we can keep in the chamber. Like, like we, like it's such an important match. We could, we could talk about DK versus Darkness Dragon another time. Uh, I'm going to stick okay. with my original one. Uh, my match is from, I believe it's, February 2014. I don't remember the exact date, but it is uh, Masato Yoshino defending the Dreamgate title against uh, Masaki Mochizuki. Oh, mm, yes. That's, that's probably really, that's really good. Okay, yes. so everybody, that's our next retro yes. rewatch pick. We'll yes. discuss that on the next episode. Let's quickly get into the mailbag here because I want to wrap this up. Um, we didn't have that many questions anyway. Andrew at Angry216 asked, what do they think what do you think they should do with T Hawk? Second, what would you do with T Hawk? How is it that's the same question, isn't it? Tad I don't guy. Tad um guy. I would T Hawk should be in a tag. I totally agree. We already covered this, I think. Yeah. Uh he should be he should be a tag team. He should be a tag guy. He should be like the top heel tag team guy. That'd be totally fine. He should not be a main eventer. He should be period. the number two. That that's yep. his ceiling as being the number two of a heel stable. Um, at at really Dan Smith asks us what's the deal with T-Hawk I've only been re- watching regularly for two years he's the one guy I can't get into is he like really over no he is not sir no he is not really over if you're asking me why they why they, I guess the question is kind of like why they keep pushing him I have no idea I mean I think he's very tall first of all mm-hmm. he, has a, he, has good, he has a good look he has some beef um, he has some beef and they decide he was going to be the guy, and it's just like Roman. Why? Why does everybody keep pushing Roman Reigns? Because they decide he's going to be the guy. So you know, I mean, um, and at least Roman Reigns sells T-shirts. I don't even think T Hawk does that. No. So, <laughs> um, I I do think that, yeah, not to completely go back on the T Hawk thing. I do think that there's a little bit of between and a little bit after T Hawk's debut. There weren't very many debutees or ones that like had prominence like directly before them you had uh, KZ and Katoka and I mean they've kind of all like they've risen above being lost posts but they've never really had the ceiling and then right after him and Ada you had uh, you had UT who sadly he has never been able to get off from the starting blocks and then they had they had a lot of people drop out and then it was Big R Shimizu so there was kind of like a dead period of new guys so I feel like they saw like okay as John said, this guy's big. He has a good look. We're going to go all in on him. And, and they just haven't given it up yet. 
and to be fair, he was fairly over in Mad Blanky. But yeah. he, he just hasn't been since his excursion. Yeah. So that that's the, that I guess is the deal with T Hawk. I don't know. Um, Andrew at Angry Two Sixteen. What's your favorite unit formation? There's a there's a more fun question. This is a really fun um, question. Okay, I don't really understand what he means by that. Like, what was our favorite like unit formation moment? Or yeah, I think like like lineup? like basically like I think the way I interpret the question is like what like what was your favorite process leading up to like a unit formation? Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. So do you want to answer first, Milo? Uh, no, let's go. I have to think about it a little more because okay. I, I, I thought it was in the, the other. Uh... I see. Well, I, I have an easy answer to this. I, I would go with World One. Um, it wasn't so drawn out that it felt like it took forever, like Maximum this year, but like it was still drawn out a little bit. And I really enjoyed how I enjoyed the whole Doyoshino splitting up from um, Muscle Outlaw storyline. And then I thought the way they brought in Naoki at the same time without making it so obvious that he was going to join up with them was cool, and then Naoki joins. Uh, they get Hulk when Hulk ends up getting kicked out of New Hazard, and um, you know, bring it all together, and you form, and, and then you get KZ front back from Mexico with the the awesome moment of Doi calling him in Mexico on his cell phone live at Curricon. <laughs> Still one of my all time favorite Dragon Gate moments. Doi calling him up and asking if he wanted to be in his new unit. I was just that was just awesome like the crowd's so like the crowd was laughing so hard they were so into it i just still one of my all-time favorite moments i have to go with the formation of world one a great formation for a great unit and a great unit fame like a great yep it's like very 80s like we're gonna save the orphanage kind of thing it was a a great great theme song great unit great formation world one fantastic well john you took mine like, oh. <laughs> like, like everything it's just so good. everything fell into place. But uh, one that I, at least it's very personal to me because I'm pretty much on my my brand is probably Tazawa's biggest mark in the world. So uh, I loved how Mad Blanky formed. <laughs> I loved like that from the moments of of uh, Tazawa and Hulk just like hurting on Shima in such a brutal way and like completely like superseding them. Like it was the first moment that like, like Tozawa was like clearly like Tozawa and Hulk were clearly like the number twos of blood warriors, but them turning on them is like, no, this is, we're tired of the old shit. This is our generation now. And like leading it into like how they just kind of like expelled everyone. And they ended up with like, like I have no false illusions that early uh, Matt Blanky wasn't the hottest unit. Like, it, it really, like, the Tozawa era, Mad Blanky wasn't the best, to be honest. But just, like, the moment of that turn was, like, one of those moments that, like, still sticks out at me. And felt like validation after four or five years of watching Tozawa kind of, like, always being, like, stuck to the back lines. And as a joke, it's like, no, Tozawa, like, that was the moment that I was like, Tozawa actually can be a main event player. So, I'm going to go with Mad Blanky with that. Okay. All right, Milo, what's your pick? Okay, so... I have a, a thing that comes to mind, but I don't really know if it counts. Because for me, uh, I really liked um, kind of the second Matt Blanky, right? Mm-hmm. So, I, think, I think that that counts. Oh, yeah, they, it was a different they generation. Specifically, they specifically said this is new Matt Blanky. Yeah, that counts. Mm-hmm. With, um, I think it was uh, the Yamato turn, right? 
Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So that was that was kind of the moment that jumps to mind for me. Um, it's, a good, it's a good pick. I like that. I like that whole thing a lot too. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I really really liked that. I thought it, I thought it like I rewatched that. I rewatched that moment um, like a few months ago, and I really really loved that whole kind of. Uh, is he going to do it? Is he not going to do it? And then he just turns, and it was a. Uh, yeah, so I think I gotta I have to go with that, and I think you could almost make an argument for Tozawa led Matt Blanky and Yamato led Matt Blanky as two different units. Oh, entirely. Like, I I feel like they're two different eras, kind of like how there's how like there were like distinct eras and Monster Express <laughs> and like different eras and Millennials. Yeah. So I, this is a great question, by the way, yeah. uh, Andrew. Thank, thanks for that question. Finally got to talk about something that made us happy. Well, we <laughs> we needed that question. Like, like that was something that like it was catharsis after two hours of us just kind of like the like. Sorry, people who listen to this. Like, this has been a historically tough month for Dragon Gate fans. Yeah, like, yeah, it's been bad. Yeah. Hopefully by the time hopefully by the time we report back, which I don't know when that will be because. When they're when they're airing the next cork and next week I'm gonna be on a boat in on the way to Bermuda, so I don't know when we're gonna do this. Yeah, cork. Cork is on the sixth, right? Yeah, I think we I think we could do either after. I mean, I I can't do the Sunday after Kodak. Oh, maybe I can. I don't know. I I I can't. I'm gonna be on a boat, so (laughs) (laughs) I I could do that. I could do the following weekend, like the fifteenth or sixteenth, probably. Yeah, but I don't know if it's like worth doing it or if we just should just do an episode like after World. We, we yeah, should probably preview the, World though. Like that's probably. What, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's what, true. What's the date for World again? Things uh, the twenty third. Twenty third. We could we could just do it right after World. I don't I don't know. We'll see. Otherwise, we'd be doing two episodes two weekends in a row, which. For this show, I don't know if we, this, our fans can. Ha- our fans have expected a certain level of non of non uh, non production, non reliability. Can't, can't get them used to two weekends in a row. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, uh, hmm. Oh, thank well, you. Yeah. Oh, sorry. oh yeah. I was just gonna say, like, uh, like the only really stuff, guys, people who are trying to watch Dragon Gate, like, we got a Triangle Gate match on my birthday. That'll be interesting, and then. Corkin has the tag match, and then the Nanawa tag. That's the only big stuff on the radar leading up, coming up, guys. So we'll we'll see what happens at Corkin. Um, you know, see if we get any turns or anything like people are expecting in that tag match, and then it'll be Kobe World, and hopefully we can put this T Hawk thing behind us. That's all I can say <laughs> at this point. Um, but yeah, I had I don't want to say I had fun on this show because today because all I did was complain really, but. I hope everybody enjoyed listening and hopefully next time we can be a lot more positive. I mean, we, if we came on here and just, and pretended we were happy with it, you know, that wouldn't be fair either. So, yeah, you know, we're a Dragon Gate podcast. We have to call it like we see it and none of us are happy with Dragon Gate right now. So hopefully that will change. We love Dragon Gate. As you can hear when we talk about Dragon Gate history, especially I'll always love Dragon Gate, but you know, I'm not enjoying the product right now. I hope, I hope that changes. Mm-mm. Same yeah. here. I think this was kind of cathartic. We, I, I think we needed like it's been a while since we recorded. It's like our group therapy. Yeah, that's what this is. This is the, this is uh, Mr. Uh, former T Hawk, former uh, PP Tomonaka uh, Penguin, uh, fake Naoki. <laughs> I think uh, we have our, we have our 
We have our episode by, title, by the way, yeah. Tea Hawk Therapy. I mean, that's what it is. Rather, better than, like, <laughs> everything <for> sucks. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so that, w- that was our episode today, folks. Uh, thank you for sticking with us, as always. We'll be back when we're back, as always. Um, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, at OpenVoiceGate. And I guess that's pretty much it. Yeah. See, See you next folks. time. See ya. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.